Hello, Tony G Nation. Another episode of the Tony G Show ready to get going here. Right, Will. Right, yes, Will. Yes, sir. Right, Will. No. Okay. A lot of energy today. I had um, sugar for breakfast. Just pure sugar? Just spoonfuls of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm Respect. hyped, ready to go. No. Today's a big day for me, actually. I got a big schedule. We're recording the Tony G Show here at Tony G Studios a little early. But, you know, it works out. Fits into both our schedules. You're but welcome. I, you know, big, big, uh, what'd you say? <laughs> said you're welcome. Oh, thanks, Will. Yeah. Couldn't do it without Big you. sacrifice on my end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, your days are just jam-packed. Just kidding. I mean, Tuesdays do... and Thursdays are pretty nice for me. Yeah. But you spend most of it doing homework. I mean, mm-hmm. Tony G Nation, I think I've said this on the show before. Will gets up, I think, about 2.30 in the morning to go up and do homework. Nah, 6. Hmm. See, same <laughs> difference, though. I mean, that early in the morning, you know what I'm doing at that time? Sleeping. Sleeping. Yeah. Okay. I would be, too, if I could... If I didn't have much to do, but it seems like I always have something to do. Okay, well, you're double majoring, so... Triple. <laughs> See what I mean? And that's not a joke. You actually are. Yeah. In what? Accounting, finance, and uh, econ. And I mean, that's like the three hardest. Like, it's all numbers and data. and It's fun, though. You do it to yourself. I do. Episode number 98 of the Tony G Show. Season 6, episode number 11. Over 10 episodes, Will. Yeah. There we go. Yep. Cruising right along. Good season. Like I said, episode number 98. Crazy. 99 is coming next Thursday. Hopefully we didn't miscount. In two days, I hope not. This is like 101 right now. No, but episode number 99 on Thursday. And then, depending on how things go, Will and I are going to give ourselves next Tuesday off, possibly next Thursday, and then episode number 100. So... I think Thursday we'll have an official date for the 100th episode, but just to give ourselves some time to kind of plan for it, make sure it's a good episode, mm-hmm. and give us a little half-season break, because we deserve it. We've been grinding since, I mean, first, first week. week of school, Yeah. so first week of February, so we've been going at it just to give ourselves a little bit of a spring break. So, we'll get you an official date for the 100th episode coming up, but for episode number 98, good show planned for you. This is a Tuesday, what's the date today? March 9th? It is the 9th. March 8th, Monday, there was talks about Zach Ertz, the tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles, being traded. We'll talk about my three landing spots that I could see Zach Ertz going to. Then at the halfway point, Blake Griffin. He was released from the Pistons on Friday. That would be the third, fourth, sixth, fifth? (laughs) The fifth, I think. Friday the fifth. Do you want me to check? No, that's all right. Okay. Yeah, March 5th. March 5th, Friday, Blake Griffin was released from the Pistons. And just yesterday, I think it was yesterday, yeah, yeah. Monday, Mar- there's so many dates. I mean, I should just drop the whole date thing. After he was released by the Pistons, he signed with the Brooklyn Nets. The team with already an enormous amount of talent, potential, and upside. So we'll talk about what that move does or doesn't do to the Eastern Conference and the landscape of it. And then we're going to end the show talking about St. Norbert College baseball. A little bit of softball action, too, maybe. Throw that in. Um, the spring St. Norbert College sports will end out the show, is the point. Right, Will? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good show planned. What do you think? Yeah, sounds yeah. good to me. You know how Zach Ertz is in the Philadelphia Eagles? That's the NFC East. Mm-hmm. The Brooklyn Nets are in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Thus, the, the name of this episode is East Side Slide. I don't get it. I'm just kidding. both on the East Side. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And sliding around like East Side Slide. 
I like it. I mean, well, hopefully you don't change the name before you post it. <laughs> then it just all this won't make sense. Yeah, then, then, then Tony G Nation is going to be confused as though they aren't already. The Tony G Show drops Tuesdays, Thursdays. Like I said, schedule is going to be a little bit indifferent coming up here as we round towards the 100th episode of the Tony G Show. Follow me on Twitter at Tony G Show. Follow Will on Twitter at Willis5312. Episode number 98 of the Tony G Show. Let's get into it. plan that any better oh i did that on purpose <laughs> <laughs> i'm leaving that in that's how we're coming out of the intro good <laughs> I, mean, I mean we couldn't have planned it well I, I guess it was planned i did plan it you did plan it yeah i i go to take the tony g show out of the intro get the show rolling and we'll <laughs> oh you're fired i mean there's no other way to put it all right <laughs> <laughs> your contract's terminated Let's get into it. Segment number one of the Tony G Show. Popular tight end Zach Ertz is the subject of trade rumors out of Philadelphia for the Eagles. That started yesterday, March. Why do I keep going back to the dates? I don't know. March 8th. And here's the situation with Zach Ertz. As he looks towards this next season being traded, he only has one more year on his contract. And then he's a free agent heading into the 2022 NFL season. And part of the reason for these trade rumors as well is that the Philadelphia Eagles have some salary cap issues. They have to all float around $34 million heading into next year. You hear me, Will? Mm-hmm. They have to offload $34 million. Yeah, that's a lot. My goodness. So they have a lot to do. And, you know, they already got rid of Carson Wentz, talking about getting rid of Zach Ertz, and I believe they have some more contract um, renegotiations they have to go through. But it's going to be a rough offseason for the Eagles due to money due to their salary cap issues. Now, for Zach Ertz in particular, moving forward, I'm going to give you my three best landing spots for Zach Ertz. But keep in mind, with this one last year on his contract, and the fact that he's had health issues in the past, I think that hurts his trade stock a little bit. You know, you can't give up too much for him. He's not going to be a first-round type of exchange, or first-round draft pick type of exchange is what I'm saying. It's going to be a, a third and a fourth, mm-hmm. maybe like a third and a fifth and like a punter or something like that, a, a kick returner. He's not going to usher in a first or second round draft pick. Okay, so you have to keep that in mind if you're the Eagles. And also, even if you did have another first round draft pick, that's more money that you'd have to sign because the higher you get drafted as a college athlete into the NFL, the more you get paid. And the more, the more money that the Eagles have to give the players – is more money that they have to offer. Remember, $34 million. So the Eagles are kind of between a rock and a hard place right now. They, they, But, you know, I guess this isn't an Eagles discussion. This is about Zach Ertz. So we'll leave them in the dust, just like the rest of the NFC East did and will heading into this year. Tony G's three best landing spots for Zach Ertz. Are you ready, Will? Mm-hmm. We'll start here. The Arizona Cardinals. What do you think about that? No current tight end talent. Their number. I looked at their depth chart in doing research for this show because Tony G does his homework. Dan Arnold 
Number one, tight end. Number two, tight end, Max Williams. Max with two X's. You ever heard of them guys? No. Who? <laughs> Give me one. I'm not doing a who. Okay. No. Sorry. No, whatever. I'll do who? it myself. Who? No. It's too late. I just did it. No. Fired. Dan Arnold, Max Williams, tight end talent in Arizona Cardinals. So Zach Ertz would immediately become the number one. This is obviously a, a, an organization in the Arizona Cardinals that is aggressive and gearing up for the upcoming season with their talent. Remember, they just signed J.J. Watt. And Zach Ertz would be a great tool to pair with DeAndre Hopkins, Chase Edmonds in the backfield, Kyler Murray. I believe they have Kenyon Drake, too, mm-hmm. in their in their backfield. So, I mean, and, Zach Ertz uh, would fit right in talent-wise. Kenyon Drake and then their backup. Chase uh, Edmonds. Chase Edmonds. Yeah. Did you mention him already? Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's all right. Either way, point is, a lot of talent to pair with like I said, DeAndre Hopkins, the big name there. Kyler Murray, who you know Tony G loves so much. My my pick for MVP candidate heading into next year. Kyler as, Murray? Yeah. Oh. As Will shoots me a look. Oh, boy. Yep. Remember we had that discussion in the last episode of the Tony G Show. But this episode is about Zach Ertz. He'd fit right into that offense, I think. He would. He – and – like you said, his he's been injury prone. Like his production has dropped off significantly. So this might Correct. be the kind of guy that the Cardinals could take a chance at. Yeah. And having him would be a huge advantage. And if he didn't pan out, it's like not the end of the world. Right. Because he's still going to be a decent player. And that's that kind of plays into my argument for why the Arizona Cardinals would be a good fit. Because, you know, they do have Dan Arnold and Max Williams, who I, I would imagine guys that they are committed towards developing and making mm-hmm. – Pretty solid tight ends in the NFL. And I imagine when you see tight end, the tight end spot is weird in the NFL because when you see a guy you haven't really heard of at the tight end position, a number one or a number two, and you're like, why is this guy their, their first string? It's probably to block. Mm-hmm. So they have their blocking. You know, when you see guys like this, Dan Arnold and Max Williams, I can't picture a face. I can't put a face with these names. Right. So they're probably there to block. They're not going to be there to go out and run routes, catch passes, catch touchdowns. They're probably just there to block. Zach Ertz would be that touchdown threat that defenses would have to watch out for. And maybe it's just recent history too, but I feel like the tight end position is like one of the highest turnover turnovers, if that's the right use of uh, verbiage. But like, I feel like a lot of stars like show up all of a sudden out of nowhere in the yeah. tight end position, and then they just kind of fizzle real fast. Yep. Because it's a position that you have to do both of uh, catch passes, block. Right. You have to be dominant downfield in both. You know, a big run, you have to be down there blocking too. So it's kind of that thing where you have to do it all. Yeah. Like, I, like I probably could name like five all-time great tight ends. Yeah, and then sure. like 30 really good tight ends, but not like yep. they didn't last. It's hard you know? to separate yourself because... It's out of the tight end's control. Like You can be talented, you can be big, you can be strong, you can have good hands, but you have to be in an offense that uses you. Right. And I remember, you know, I don't like I don't like to keep giving this example of Mike McCarthy because, you know, obviously he's in Dallas now and mm-hmm. things are looking good. Just signed Dak Prescott. I think we're going to talk about that on Thursday. But the reason I bring up Mike McCarthy is because when he was in Green Bay, they didn't use the tight end position all that yeah. much. It just didn't happen. Guys like Martellus Bennett was here. Make of what you will and with his time in the NFL, not just Green Bay, but in the NFL, the controversial person that he was. They also had Jimmy Graham. I mean, they had some Names. solid talent in here. Right. And ever since he left, you've seen guys like Robert Tunyon kind of develop and be this X factor. Should have been a pro bowler. Mm-hmm. 
snub. Snub. Had double-digit touchdowns this Major year. snub. Mate, I mean, didn't even get looked at. Yeah. But that's the, the kind of point I'm making, though, is that, you know, since Mike McCarthy left, tight ends have been getting used more in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. So it depends on the offensive scheme. Right. And the next team I'm going to list here in a, in a couple minutes uses their tight ends a lot, and we'll talk about that in their offense coming up pretty soon here. But, I mean, just the point being here with this general specific point in this discussion is that you have to be in an offense that uses you. Yeah, and I don't know how much the Cardinals use a tight end, but... I don't think it's much. But, like, so if it's if that's the case, if Zach Ertz pans out and he's some absolute star for them, then yeah. that's just only going to help. That's but, another element to their offense. Right, but if it's like he doesn't pan out and they don't use the tight end that much, then it's like, Why well. did you go trade for him? But that's... Well, I wouldn't even say that. I would just say, oh, well, you tried. Yeah, yeah, that's You fair. know, because, I mean, it's not like... These uh, like Dan Arnold, Dan Arnold, and Max Williams are going to be bad tight ends. I mean, they're starting tight ends at the professional yep. level. Yep, the NFL. So, the thing that I think is important to mention here with the Arizona Cardinals and their tight end situation is something that I have mentioned before and alluded to in this argument, and Will has also discussed on it a little bit. I think if you put Zach Ertz on the line to go out and catch a pass, you put Dan Arnold on the other side as like this little, almost like a decoy, mm-hmm. but can make a play. Look out, because then, then that offense is three-dimensional, not even two, three, mm-hmm. with DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, a guy who I love at the wide receiver position, even Larry Fitzgerald still. Well, I mean, it's just one more guy that the secondary has to watch out for. Right. I'm, like, I feel like the tight end position, like the running back position, is evolving where you almost need a two-headed monster. Yeah. You need yep. two guys that, like, look, we have to watch both of these guys. Yep. Like, I, we always go back to Green Bay, or at least I do, but... You have Martellus Bennett, old, reliable, great blocker, big yep. dude, not very fast, but he's a brute of a man. And then you have Tanyan, who... You mean Mercedes Lewis. Oops, sorry, who did I say? Martellus Bennett. Sorry. Yep. Mercedes Lewis. Mercedes Lewis. Mercedes Lewis. They are both, like, really freakishly tall guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you seen that guy in person? Mm, no, I don't think so. He's, like, ahead over Tanyan. Or, Jeez. sorry. Lewis? Lewis is, uh, was ahead over Jimmy Graham. Wow, and Jimmy Graham was a big guy. Yeah, like he was huge, okay. or still is big. But so the two-headed um, mon- monster discussion. Yeah, I think it's important to have like that added dimension. I agree. It's not needed, but like it definitely it's not needed, helps. But it definitely be. And when you don't have a two-headed monster, which at, at running back, which I guess you could argue that the Cardinals do, Kenyon Drake, definitely. Chase Edmonds, two guys that are fast and small and quick. You don't necessarily need two tight ends, but I guess that that'd be that'd still be a perfect. Reason to go get Zach Ertz, because then mm-hmm. he'd be your clear-cut number one. Right. I think Arizona Cardinals would be a good would be a good fit. How about this next team that I was sort of alluding to in that prior discussion about the Arizona Cardinals? And specifically, a team that has historically used their tight ends. And we'll talk about that as this discussion gets going about this team. How about the New England Patriots? I don't think enough people are talking about this team as a fit for Zach Ertz. No current tight end talent. They're number one. Matt Lacoste. Who? Give me, give me one. Give me one. Who? Who? Matt Lacoste is the first stringer. He's granted he has been in the organization for a few years now, so this okay. could be like a year where he steps into a number one role. Mm-hmm. But even if they don't use him as the number one, I think that the Pats have been known to swoop into a trade like this. Kind of come out of the darkness, take a player off the trade block that no one saw coming, and it happened so quick and you don't even think about it. And all of a sudden, the Patriots have another talented 
player on their roster. I think they need to pair with either Cam Newton or a quarterback they draft in this upcoming draft. I don't know how their quarterback situation is going to play out heading into this year if they're going to draft someone and start him or use him as a backup until like halfway through the season and then be their number one quarterback. But whatever the situation may be, you need to give him a good, solid security blanket of a tight end. That's Zach Ertz. I think Cam was only on a one-year deal, too, so he might not even be coming back. Yeah, I agree. I think that's still up in the air. I think th- I think there's like a team option. I think there's an option somewhere involved in that. I could be wrong. I'm not too keen on it. But regardless of what they do at, at quarterback, the point is is that they need a tight end for this year. I think it'd be a good fit. They And this is what I was talking about earlier. They have historically used tight ends a lot in their offense. Guys like Gronk and Ben Watson. I mean, they've always been keen on using two tight ends, one on each side for big big guys who can block, who can catch, good hands, guys that are really problems for defenses, guys who can find that soft spot. And that's something that Zach Ertz does perfectly. And not to mention that this is a rebuilding organization. Just this morning they traded for Trent Brown, the offensive lineman from the Raiders. So, I mean, this is an organization that's primed to compete. I mean, they're not a team to go under 500 a couple years in a row. I mean, they just went over 500 for like 20 straight years. And after the 7-9 and season, the fact that Bill Belichick's still around tells me that they still have plans to win. Otherwise, Bill Belichick would have retired right. right off into the sunset. But he sees something in this team that I think not too many people are looking at. Potential, upside, youth, as well as veteran presence. I mean, this is going to be a team that I think can compete next season. And it's not the strongest division, right? It's not the toughest, but the Dolphins, the Jets, I mean... Yeah, I guess it's going to kind of depend on, like, what direction they want to take the team. Like, if they're going to go for, like, make a playoff push and try to win with some relative known, like, not no names, but Zach Ertz would be the perfect kind of player that the Patriots would pursue that has had a decline in his play. Yes. And all of a sudden plays like he's 19. Yeah, rejuvenized. And Mm -hmm. that's something that Bill Belichick has been known to do. Like I said, the Patriots, as a team, as an organization, have been known to kind of swoop in and take these players off the trade block or the free agent market when no one's looking, when no one's watching. Almost like highway robbery. They just come in and like steal a player right off mm-hmm. the market. So I think they could do that in this situation. Specifically because it, part of that argument that they're the silent killer is that no one's talking about him with this trade either. No one's discussing Zach Ertz in New England. So I think that gives all the motivation that the Patriots need and or want to go get Zach Ertz in the tight end position. My third and final team that I could see Zach Ertz with, how about the Seattle Seahawks? They already have tight end talent, Will Disley, Jacob Hollister. Ertz would obviously become the number one in that situation. You think so? I think so. Yes, I do. Just because of his notoriety? Just because it's Zach Ertz. Yeah. You know, he's not, gonna, he's not getting traded somewhere to be a backup. True. Also, and this is kind of the weird outlier in this discussion, I'm going to make this discussion, this argument for Zach Ertz to Seattle with the basis understanding that the Seahawks retain Russell Wilson and don't mm-hmm. trade him. He's still the speculation of trade talks. We had a whole segment on uh, Russell Wilson being traded a couple shows ago in the Tony G show. So this, if Russell Wilson stays in Seattle, then this is a landing spot for Zach Ertz that I could see work. 
It'd be another tool for Russell Wilson in an already diverse offense with talent at the wide receiver position. Granted, you'd have to upgrade at the offensive line position. I think that's something that you have to look at a little as top priority over Zach Ertz. But still, I'm going to make the argument that you should go get Zach Ertz. It could be the move that is going to sink a Seattle Seattle Seahawks organization that is apparently sinking. Sinking right before our eyes. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he would be... I. I can't speak on how good of a blocker he is, but that would play a role in blocking too. He's more of a receiving tight end, at least from what I'm understanding. Like he my, is. He is. my uh, he's like the fantasy type of yeah sexy pickup for a fantasy team, right? Tight end, but he's still a tight end that would be a body on the line to to at least block a little bit. I agree. And would could this be like a, a reason that they try to like look? We're trying to help you, you know, like please stay, and that could be a reason why Russell decides to stay too. Well, there's also this aspect of it. Remember, Zach Ertz is on, he's got one le- one year left of his deal. So you go pick him up almost as like, I don't want to call him a rental because that's like a half season type of a term for a player, mm-hmm. especially in baseball. But for this particular scenario, I'd use it. It'd be a rental because you already got two solid tight ends. You got mm-hmm. a good offense. You just need to upgrade the offensive line. You need to upgrade your young and sort of inexperienced, youthful Defense. I don't think there's much that has to get picked up. I mean, the secondary could use a little bit of a have an upgrade in Seattle. But the point being, it's not going to take much. Spend a couple first round, not first round. Spend a couple of the first two, three rounds of draft picks on offensive linemen. Bolster that offensive line, and now you don't need much more to be a competitive team. I mean, you could. They were competing without an offensive line, so the fact that you upgrade that and add Zach Ertz. This could be a, a pick that could seal, and I mean it, seal the NFC West for the Seattle Seahawks. And that's a you know competitive division. Mm-hmm. I really like the 49ers. You really like the Rams. I think the Cardinals are a good sleeper pick in that division as well. You add Zach Ertz, look out. The one factor that I want to throw into this discussion here, there's a couple honorable mentions that I could see him landing, I think Carolina, the Panthers. Mm, that'd be an interesting one. It, it would be interesting. I could see that. I can't make an argument for that, though. I don't right. think. Because I, I, I can't get behind the Panthers competing this season. Well, their but, quarterback position with Teddy Bridgewater seems kind of up in the air right now, too. Yeah. And inexperienced head coach and Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. NFL head coach, that is. Just coming off of his rookie season in the NFL. I could also see... What was that one organization that I was thinking about? Let me just pull it up here because I have it on a side piece of notes. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking as well the Colts. That's the team. Mm. Wouldn't that be an interesting pick? Remember, we had that discussion about them earlier in the season about the Colts and how they could compete. I think Jack Doyle is their tight end right now. So that'd be a good use. There's only upside in Indianapolis. The Colts are only full of potential. I mean, there's no roof to what they could do. And if you add Zach Ertz, that could be, again, one of these division ceiling pickups. I actually could get behind the Colts. I should have made an argument for them, but I didn't want to uh, dive into that. Oh, I'm just going to leave that. I didn't want to. <laughs> no. You're like, okay, fair. I just didn't want to dive into that because yeah. we've talked about the Colts before. I wanted to make an argument for teams that people wouldn't think of that are logical. And I think the Cardinals and Patriots and Seahawks definitely do that. 
I think there's a lot of attention swirling around Indianapolis. Even Buffalo, I could see. How about this? Any of the 32 teams in the NFL, I think you could land them. <laughs> yeah, I think name. that's probably a pretty good take. <laughs> yeah. No, I think wherever he goes, he'll be a solid, dependable tight end. Will he stay healthy? That's the question. I mean, it's the same thing we talk about Matthew Stafford. He's going to have to stay healthy in order to, for that trade to be at all useful for the Rams. He's going to have to stay healthy. It's going to be the same thing with Zach Ertz. If he wants out of Philadelphia and has to get traded, he has to stay healthy. What about fan-controlled football? You, know, you see him going there? <laughs> yeah, him and Josh Gordon are going to tear up the, I don't even know, the teams. I don't even know either. Fan-controlled, I'll give you fan-controlled football. No, I don't see him going there. I, I was kidding. No, you weren't. You I were was. serious. I saw it in your eyes. I was sarcasm, mm. Tony. <laughs> Before we wrap up this discussion, let's talk about the Eagles moving forward. They're obviously in a rebuild mode, offloading... Carson Wentz offloading Zach Ertz. And they're go- going to rebuild around Jalen Hurts. Hurts and Ertz and Burnt and Ernie. and Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I try to get you to laugh like once a show, and it's like some days it's harder than most. Mm-hmm. Most it's like you're swinging at a 40-mile-an-hour fastball, yeah. which isn't very fast. Oh, say a letter. And you just... You absolutely whiff it. I tried. Well, granted, what I just said wasn't that funny. It just came no. to me, and I was like, let's yeah. try to rhyme these names. Hertz and Hertz and Burtz and Gertz and Flirts. All right. Back to the Eagles now. Per reports yesterday that they are going to stick with Jalen Hurts. I don't know why that was a news story. Yeah, that should Will be and I have been saying that. Will and I have been saying that since October. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jalen Hurts is, is the plan moving forward. Why is that news to anybody? I don't know. So... The Eagles aren't going to compete in the next couple of years, I don't think. Like I said, they have a lot of cap issues. They don't have much talent. <laughs> I get it. They're not in the strongest division, but it's a division that's only getting better, and it seems like the Eagles are in the back of the pack. I think Washington's going to be competitive. I think Dallas is for sure going to be competitive. Mm-hmm. I think the Giants are going to be middle middle-of-the-pack team. I think the Eagles are just going to be flat-out bad. I think it'll be Eagles-Giants like neck-to-neck for the back of the division. Yeah. I, I could see that. I could see Eagles going like four and twelve. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm I'm a fan of Jalen Hurts in terms of I want to see him be the quarterback there in the in, in the Philadelphia organization. I think he could be the quarterback moving forward. But regardless, the rest of the team is not up to par. To no, compete. it's just not a competitive team, not a competitive organization right now. Which There's actually, too much to do. There's just too much to do for Philadelphia. So that headline maybe does have some legitimacy to it because maybe that's. People saying, why not let him sit behind somebody for another year or two, especially if we're planning on losing or expecting to lose. Yeah, but for that argument, he already did. He just did that. He just sat behind Carson Wentz and then took over for him and did good, if not a little bit better in some games. I mean, it was kind of an up and down back end of the season for the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. But regardless, he's the quarterback moving forward. He had his time in college. He had his time to sit behind a starter and be the backup. And now he's had his time to start. And now it's time to kind of put that together. Let's get the ball rolling here if you're Philadelphia. You don't want him to sit behind anyone else. And another news story I saw yesterday when I was doing my homework, because Tony G does his homework, is that Ryan Fitzpatrick is sticking around for 2021. Mm. He says he still wants to be in the league. I don't think he'll be in Miami anymore. They're ready to let Tua Tungavailoa play. But if that's the route you're going to go for that argument, let Jalen Hurts sit, 
Ryan Fitzpatrick could be a good rental for a year. That's always an interesting discussion, like if a quarterback should sit or start early. You know, like that's yeah. it, it, it. It really kind of depends on the player. Well, I mean, because guys like Steve Young, I believe, and I wasn't alive when Steve Young was playing, but I believe he sat behind Joe Montana for a couple years. I mean, right. a couple seasons. And Aaron Rodgers did the same thing. He sat mm-hmm. behind Brett Favre for two, three seasons before he took over. Right. And so that pace is kind of quickened up. You've seen around the league. Uh, backup quarterbacks who have just been drafted taken over for starting quarterbacks midway through a season. You know, they haven't even had a full season under their belt, and they're taking over starting. So I get it, but I think it's time for Jalen Hurts. He's talented enough. I think he's a smart quarterback. He's m- a little bit mobile. It's time to let him take the reins in Philadelphia, see what he can do. Granted, he won't have the most talent around him. He won't have the strongest structure of an organization around him. But regardless, I think it's time. Because once you get this talent in place, once you get all your draft picks, once you're under the salary cap limit and you're good financially and you're ready to roll, then Jalen Hurts has enough experience that you can roll with him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, no, that makes sense. I, I just, you, yeah, you just wonder if he's ready. But if he has that talent and he's ready for it, then he should be fine. Yep. But just so ready to, ready to expect to have some losing losing sure. seasons ahead of them. Yeah. Oh, I think and, that's, and that's, that's why regardless. I'm just kind of... That's why I'm like, if they're going to lose, then why waste his health is kind of my thing. I see that, yeah. But but like I said, then he's ready for when you were ready to right. compete. Yep. All right, good discussion there. Um, right on time to move on in the Tony G Show, so let's do just that. Last Friday, I believe we said it was March 5th. Here I go with the dates again. Last Friday, March 5th, the Detroit Pistons released Blake Griffin. Just yesterday, March 8th, Monday, Blake Griffin. Signs with the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, that was a quick turnaround. Took a weekend. All-star weekend, nonetheless. And he's with a new organization. Yeah, go ahead, Will. What does it tell you if the Pistons don't want him? I don't think it's that the Pistons don't want him. It's just that the Pistons, and I can tell already, discussions in pre-show, you're not a big Blake Griffin guy. Oh, I I don't dislike him. I just don't think, well. Well, let me. I I don't like this move. Let me finish commenting on... What you said. I don't think it's that they don't want him. I think it's more or less Blake Griffin doesn't want the Detroit Pistons. Maybe. And it's a money thing. Yeah. And that's been... fit, let, let me just say this. That fit Detroit and Blake Griffin never worked. Right. That was never going to work. No. And, I mean, that trade going from L.A. to Detroit, you can just tell him, Blake Griffin, that's not that's not the move you want to make. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> he's just been, never he's been gonna a, work. He's been a beast the last five years. He's been playing out of his mind. Elaborate on that, Will. I, I was again sarcasm. You know. <laughs> I get that, but yeah, elaborate. Yeah. Oh, I just, I, I mean, I don't know. How do I elaborate on it? <laughs> <laughs> he just hasn't. He hasn't why been is the that same. Sarcasm. Why he hasn't, hasn't he been? He hasn't been the same since he left L.A. He has not. I get that. I agree. That's because it's L.A. to Detroit, and it's Detroit. But I. Like how much can the city play a role in that? Like a star it's not the city. Look, if Giannis went to the, if the Giannis it's went the to the Pistons, if it's Giannis went to the Pistons, would he be good? Yeah. Okay, I get what you're saying, but I think it's the. I think I'm talking about competitiveness. Yeah, as an if, if Giannis went to the Pistons, the Pistons would be competitive. And you're talking about talent-wise of an individual, Blake Griffin. Yeah, correct. Here's the thing. I don't put this all on Blake Griffin. Granted, I'm going to make an argument that that this move isn't 
going to seal the deal for the Nets. I'm making an argument almost against this pickup, you could argue. But here I am arguing for Blake Griffin. He's still talented. He still means something to an, an NBA roster. You can't just discard what he's done, who he is, and what he will be. Granted, he's in the back half of his career. Is he in his prime anymore? No, probably not. I mean, he's going to the Nets, and he won't even be a starter. So I, I get what you're saying. He's not the same Blake Griffin. He's not dominant. He's not headline-worthy anymore. He's ring-chasing. Which you – so here, here, here we go. Let's, let's talk about this because you think he's ring-chasing. You don't, you don't and he think could he be. Is. He could be. I, I'm not making that argument that he's not. <clears throat> but do you fault him for that? No, I don't fault him. I don't I fault don't him, fault him either. All. If you're in the back end of your career, not in your prime anymore, you just spent a couple seasons in the desert. <laughs> I mean, you, I don't mean the desert. I know Detroit's not the desert, but you know what I'm saying. A desolate area where nothing's around you, where you're just kind of forgotten about in Detroit. Wouldn't you be like, yeah, I'm going to go load up on this talent-loaded team and try to win a ring? Can you fault him for that? No, I don't fault him for it. I just, yeah, I, I was going to say, it's interesting how in basketball, like, play, players get ridiculed for joining teams that are star, you know, studded. And, like, in the NFL, it doesn't seem to be as bad. And maybe that's because in the NBA, there's only six players as opposed to 12 on a side. Yeah. In the NFL. But anyways. You mean 11? 11. Yikes. Wow. 11. The fans, too. Hello, Will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about Seattle. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. fault him for it. I don't either. But at the same time, I'm not like, that doesn't help his career in yeah. my mind. Like, like if he like wanted his if, legacy. Yeah, if you want to ring with the Nets, it would be like, <laughs> yeah. congratulations. You got it on the on the back end, on yeah. the bench. Almost like it. But, yeah, this is an interesting discussion to me because I don't know what side to take. I don't know what side to be on. I was ready to just talk about the... Blake Griffin and the Nets, and now we're talking about ring chasing, which I don't mind. It's a good discussion, and I think we should have it. I just don't know what side to take yet. Because I'm all for getting a ring and you know chasing it how you will, and it's a little different than the Kevin Durant situation where he went to Golden State, was immediately a starter, an impact, and still had – he was in the prime of his career. But if you're in the back end of your career and you just want a ring, you want to feel what it's like, I don't think you discount that as a player. You know what I mean? You chase rings all you want. Right, Will? Right. <laughs> but here, here we go. We're talking about this like they're going to win a ring, the Nets. Oh, I don't think they are. And it's not given. I don't think they are either. Here's my argument. I still buy into the 76ers more this season than I do the Nets. Even after this move, even after the talent that the Nets have added, even after the potential upside in the way they've played, I still buy into the 76ers more. And before I continue with this argument, this is the Eastern Conference in the top three. 76ers, 24-12. and 12, Nets, 24-13. and 13, Then Bucks, 22-14. and 14, Just to give a little perspective. Under the top three as the Eastern Conference, as I resume this argument, Griffin's going to serve off the bench for the Nets. He's behind DeAndre Jordan for that center big man position. He's a second string Blake Griffin. No immediate impact on court for Blake Griffin. It, it, it's just not going to come that way. And I think he knew that. I mean, he only got, what was the contract? Veteran minimum mm -hmm. player contract for the Nets. So he kind of knew that, that he wasn't going to be that big of a star, that big of an impact right off the way, right off the bat, I should say. But, you know, it's still that the 
76ers are just playing so out of their mind this year. In particular, Joel Embiid, MVP candidate. He's my pick for MVP so far. Averaging 30, 11.5, around 3.5. That's points, rebounds, and assists. And that 30 points a game is second in the league. That 11.5, 11.6 rebounds a game is fifth in the league. So he's having an MVP caliber season. I could make an argument for him being MVP. Giannis this is the 76ers is- year over the Nets. The Nets are not, this move is not going to seal the deal for the Nets. I think when this move happened yesterday, and I was kind of seeing that the Nets, wow, look at the talent they've had, the talent they've added. They've even added DeAndre Jordan. Well, for what? You're not the number one team just yet. 76ers are playing absurd right now. Not that the Nets aren't playing good. It's just that they aren't going to overtake the 76ers for this first first spot. The 76ers, this is their Eastern Conference moving forward. Not by much, but they're Tony G's front runners. Give credit to the Nets for trying. 76ers, this is their this is their conference moving forward. You're discounting the Bucks that much? It's not that I'm discounting the Bucks. It's just that I'm crediting the 76ers. Because Giannis is playing at Embiid's level right now. Yeah, he has really picked it up. Like, when I say picked it up like he ever lost. As it, good. But, but he is playing really well. Just had a great All Star game performance. All Star game MVP, by the way, Will. Yeah. And this isn't like, a what, Bucks discussion, for 16. I guess. But. but it's an Eastern Conference discussion, and it's worth throwing the Bucks in there. Because I don't even know if the Nets. They have. Well, just. Go ahead. The Nets have probably. I mean, they definitely have the better shooters. Uh,. Yeah, pure shooters. Pure shooters. Kevin Durant. But I don't think they have the depth at the... And and this might be what they're going for with Blake Griffin and trying to find that depth in the uh, inside positions. And granted, DeAndre Jordan is a great player too. Yeah. But I don't think he's... I mean, he's definitely not Giannis, and he's definitely not Joel Embiid. He's his own player. Yeah. Yeah. He has his own value. Yeah, I'm not... I'm just saying that he doesn't bring that level of dominance that those two players do. And I don't think anybody's depending on him to do that. Right. Right. But that being said, the interior of the basket of, of basketball, interior of, of anything, you know, in the game is really important. Like yeah, if you're if, if your shot is off or if you can't rebound the ball, you're t- you're you're going to have a tough game. Yeah. So it, the Nets are good, but it's really going to depend on what their field goal percentage is for the whole season. Do you think it's a matter of them playing together? Kyrie Irving yeah. has kind of been a cancer in locker rooms wherever he's been, or at least that's what the speculation has been. And that's almost kind of the same thing that's playing out in Brooklyn here. It's not. It's not really. But remember, towards that the start of the season, he was kind of uh, I forget what the news stories was. He wasn't complying with COVID, or he wasn't playing mm-hmm. in a couple of games, and it seemed like the same thing where you're like, Kyrie, get on the court here. What yeah. are we doing? So well, right, I, is, is that a problem? Do you see? I don't know if the chemistry like, of the team. Yeah, I mean, chemistry is really important. I mean, I've played on teams with bad chemistry. I've played on teams with great chemistry, and it's day and night. Yeah between a world of difference yeah it makes a, it makes a huge difference but it always makes you wonder like at what point does talent beat chemistry or does that not exist yeah because with this team in my humble opinion they should be undefeated talent wise talent wise they should be undefeated the nets sure. i'm referring to yeah but they aren't they're middle of the pack not middle of the pack but between sixers nets and bucks they're dead in the middle. I think, I think I I sort of agree with what you're saying. I agree in the fact that they have potential to be like a, a team that just runs away with the conference. Right, they should be. But they're not right they're now. They're not. 
because yeah. they can't win the interior. And maybe that's why they went and picked up Blake Griffin. Yeah, and that, and that's why like I'm kind of saying like I can see maybe why they did that. Sure. Yeah, I I could I could see that too. My argument more so is that this doesn't seal the deal for them. You know, everyone's no, talking I, about the Nets. I'm not saying it's going. I'm not to. saying you are. I'm just saying people in general. Yeah. Yeah, that, that saying that that this move is what's going to make the Nets. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. 76ers are having a great year. Bucks are picking it up. With the way the Bucks started this season, I thought, what what the heck's going on? They were like barely over 500. They're like two, mm-hmm. three games over 500 as the season got going. But you know, they figured it out. 22 and 14 for the Bucks so far. I still think this is the 76ers conference. I think fast forward to springtime, and we're looking at postseason play for the NBA. I think the 76ers are going to be the one seed. <laughs> That's my pick. 76ers for one seed. You we'll, disagree, Will? Want to put money on it? Let's put money. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep track of the bets we're having. I don't remember the first one we made. All right, good. Oh, Rams. Rams um, Will just takes his other because I remembered. Because you said the Rams are going to sweep the Cardinals. I did. And I, you know, wow. Hello. You did. You did pay me in advance, so you're really confident. <laughs> you wish. Well, <clears throat> you got anything to add in this discussion, or should we move on? Uh, I mean, it, not really, but <laughs> just the fact that the Nets are adding all these star-studded names. I mean, Blake Griffin hasn't had. He hasn't played at that level since he dunked like over, this. dunked over his car, but um, or the Kia, whatever he dunked over. I don't know. Um, I like your take on this. You like my take? I like your take. I like how you're going against the grain here. Not yeah, I, into I, I just, they have a lot of stars, and, and, and if they don't start hot, that's not the end of the world. I'd rather start, you know, okay and, yeah. and finish hot. I feel like everybody would rather do that. It's not how you start, how you finish. Right. Um. So if they can find that hot, streak towards the back end of the season because of these little pieces they're adding then it's worth it and i'm not a, i'm not a blake griffin fan I'm, I'm not a blake griffin hater either but i'm not like buying into him yeah i don't think he's gonna be the reason this team is gonna all of a sudden start winning 90 percent of their games I but agree. he certainly could help yep it'll be interesting to see how this plays out do you want to make a pick for number one seed in the Eastern Conference? You know, for me, it's the 76ers. Bucks. Bucks. Okay. I take Giannis over Embiid. Okay. 15, 15 out of 10 times. <laughs> I would, I, I'd take him, I'd take Giannis over Embiid 15 out of 10 times too. But this season, I just think Joel's having a great year. 76ers. Stats wise, but personality, well, I guess his personality, you know what? He did say something in a pre- press conference that totally changed. I forgot what it was, and I'm not going to try to think of it now. <laughs> He did say something in a press conference that literally flipped my opinion on him on him like like a pancake. Next side. 180. Um but I still take Giannis and his personality over Embiid sure. and his slightly better stats by like one I point. Okay, what do you say we move on? That was a good discussion. Uh, time for some SNC baseball over the weekend. Remember we last time we talked about them, they moved to 2 and 0. Now they're 4 and 0 after last weekend they just had a 14 to 2 win over Elmhurst University. And a 6-5 win over Wheaton College. Pulling up the box score here from the 14-2 win over over Elmhurst University. Lucas Reynolds, 3 for 4, 3 runs batted in. Jack Maastricht, 4 for 5, 3 runs batted in. Peyton Jack, 2 for 5, 3 runs batted in. 
big offensive day, big offensive showing for St. Norbert College. And some of what I've heard from the players is that the young guys are really stepping up. How about designated hitter Adam Kootway? Three for three, three runs scored, an RBI, and a walk. Guys really stepping up. Uh, another young guy, Caden Olenbrock. Three for five, two runs scored, and an RBI. Young guys really stepping up. Earning respect of the veteran players, some of the seniors on this team. It's a winning formula. Right, Will? <laughs> you nod your head. It's a podcast. They can't see us. Maybe we're being recorded. I don't know. Okay. There's like a secret Tony G show on YouTube. <laughs> Kidding, how about, don't. How about on the bump for St. Norbert College? Tommy Maher moves to 2-0. and o, Shoved. 9Ks, 5 innings. Whew. Just two earned runs given up. Wow. Nine strikeouts. Guy throws hard, Tommy Maher. Nick Brower came in to close the door. <laughs> Nick Brower came in to close the door for the last two innings. Gave up one hit. Struck out a batter. Had a boy, uh, Nick Brower. Brower. You ever see him around campus go, go like that to him? Brower. I don't know if I'll do that. Okay. Well, I do it. Hi, Brower. Here I am talking like an idiot on my podcast about him. All right. St. Norbert College, 6-5 over Wheaton, Illinois. Wheaton College. In this game, another big day for Lucas Reynolds, the leadoff hitter. Fast. Two for five, two RBIs. Jack Maastricht, one for three, runs scored. Two walks. Caden Olenbrock, the young guy again. Two for four, RBI, runs scored. This is, a, this is a pretty good team. I mean, this is a team that has some depth to it, has mm-hmm. some talent all around. This is a team that looks like they had their last season canceled, and they want to win. Mason Sefcik, remember the last time we talked about him, he only got through a third of an inning. A little better this time around, four and a third, four runs earned. Struck out two. He's going to find his, w- his way. He'll get in midseason form as this season go- goes on. But how about this pitcher who shut the door? Does this name sound familiar, Will? Sam Fonder mm-hmm. gets his first win. Four and two-thirds innings, only one earned run, two strikeouts. Pitched very well. According to some of my inside sources, Sam Fonder, that a boy, that a boy, that away Green Knights. How about that? Four and all. Yeah. And we talk about them moving forward. They got a couple games this weekend. One Saturday, Wisconsin Lutheran. Two Sunday, Marion University. Three more games coming up. You know who's going to be announcing those games, Will? Um, I'm going to guess you. Me. Back in the booth to announce. I can't wait. I'll be announcing those uh, three home opener games for the Green Knight baseball team. And today, actually, when we're done recording the Tony G Show, there's two games for the St. Norbert College softball team I'll be announcing as well. I got five games to be announcing in a week. Ooh, and I tell you what, I can't help but smile because I've gone over a year since, since not last February, but the February before that. Not like a month ago February, but like February 2020 was the last time I put on a headset. That's kind of crazy. To announce a game. God, Are you nervous? No, I'm anxious, though. I'm ready to get at it. I You're... spent like an hour, hour and a half preparing for the softball games today. They face That's UW it. Oshkosh. It'll be a good doubleheader. Man, I'm ready for it, Will. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Yeah. Maybe like me not doing photography for a full year. Yeah. I mean, that's just... I'd go crazy. I mean, it's like, it's it's your craft. It's your baby. It's who you are. It's what you do. Mm-hmm. And it's snubbed away from you. I had nothing to announce. I sat there and watched a Brewer game in the middle of August and announced it to myself because I had really? announced and well, I don't know. That's something I do sometimes. But 
It's actually probably a good idea. Yeah, I, I do like an inning or two innings, and yeah, you know, just to just to keep the the voice ready to go, mm-hmm. the thoughts organized. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I could announce baseball. Why not? I just I find myself like I love I love watching baseball, but I find myself like not fully paying attention sometimes. Yeah. That's you, you that's sh- a typical you, viewpoint to have. Do you struggle with that when you're announcing? No, or not really, because you're so focused on not missing something. Yeah, I just love baseball, so I yeah. I watch like that regardless. But especially when I'm announcing, yeah. Oh man, like, I'm in my got, element, man. You got Hawkeyes. Yeah, I don't get nervous anymore. Knock on wood here, as I got to go announce in a couple hours. But I don't get nervous anymore. I'm just ready to go, ready to rock. You feel me? You feel me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you say we cap it there? Sounds good. We've gone about 50 minutes. It's a good. End point for episode number, what is this, 98 of the Tony G Show? Man, oh man. 99 coming right up on Thursday and number 100 going to come up either next week or the week after. Will and I are going to give ourselves a little spring break action from the Tony G Show and then we'll be back at it with episode number 100. What do you think, Will? Sounds good to me. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Tony G Show. Will and I will be back on Thursday for episode number 99. Thank you for tuning in and listening. We'll see you then. This is the Tony G Show.